I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Happy holidays, folks. Hope you had a lovely Christmas if you were celebrating that yesterday. Um, today at Sick Boy Studios, uh, we're taking a break. Um, we, we are, you know, we're at our humble abodes. We're cozied up next to a fire, probably nursing a hangover and eating too much food. Um, so in the meantime, while we recover and come back to you later in the week, uh, we decided we would do something special for today's release. Uh, the episode you're about to listen to is actually an episode from my other podcast, Turn Me On Podcast, where me and Bridie McLean uh, get together every week and we speak to uh, everyday average people or professionals to unpack the realm of relationships and sex. Uh, the podcast is called Turn Me On. If you've never listened to it, I highly suggest you go over and uh, give it a subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And uh, we're actually going to play an episode today that I thought was quite fitting for uh, the Sick Boy feed. Uh, it's an episode that came out in November of this year, and the title was Struggling Periodically. Our guest was Jess Taylor, and Jess Taylor is your average everyday person who has periods, only Jess's periods come with a debilitating illness that she's been managing for a couple of decades uh, Jess deals with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and uh, Bridie and myself spoke with Jess about all of the approaches that she's experimented with to bring her relief with her PDD. Um, fascinating conversation, all about periods, and uh, I thought you guys would enjoy this. So enjoy this uh, bonus episode featuring Turn Me On Podcast, and we will see you later this week when we come back for our normal Feel Good Friday episode. All right, happy holidays, and we'll see you soon. (sighs) Well, here we are. Let's talk about periods. I am so in. It seems like I love... Period seems like such a good topic for, a, a, for some reason, the change of season, because there's already like we're adjusting to mm. a new part of the bigger cycle. Mm. But then to like, you know, to to as someone who's been tracking my periods now for 20 months, I am I'm starting to get hip to a little bit of <sighs> a cycle that happens with me every month. And now that yeah. I'm aware, I don't feel like such. A wild card. So you're still doing that fertility yeah. method yeah. tracking. Yeah. And cool. we're going to talk with with Jess about that that specific book as oh, well. Oh, as cool. One of, Sweet. One of Jess's references. The Fifth Vital Sign, I believe, is the uh, title yes. of the book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So good. Well, welcome, Jess. Welcome yeah. So to good our, to have you. Our little Thank you. Podcast lounge. I've got a Thanks question. I've got a question just to kick off. And I don't know if either of you have the answer to this. I know Google does for sure. Okay. But why do we call it a period? That's a really good question. Mm. I've thought about it a lot because I don't really like saying like I'm on my period. Like I just, it's like I'm in the part of my cycle where I'm bleeding, but I also don't like I'm menstruating. It sounds so medical. Yeah. Menstruating is a, it doesn't feel good off. It doesn't roll off the tongue well. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I mean, are you Googling it right now, Jeremy? Is there an answer? Uh, I am Googling it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but please, I want to hear your thoughts there before, before. I I mean, I never thought about it and I love that question. I, yeah, same as you, Bridie. I don't like saying I'm on my period because as someone who also tracks your cycle, you think of your cycle more of something that's like in evolution and not just like start stop. Mm. Whereas I feel like I'm on my period is like a start of something or a stop of something. Whereas it's more just like, I like the flow part of it more. So yeah, yeah, I sometimes say like I'm menstruating or I'm bleeding. There is no good really word for it. We're not really bleeding. Like 
I like to joke about that. I'll often be like, I'm bleeding to death. How are you? But I don't, it's not, it's not that, it's not that kind of, that sounds dangerous, you know, but just, and I feel like a period, period is like probably comes from stifling conversation yeah. about what bodily functions of, of that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. And it's not a fun word, which I think is why when I submitted some of my info about this talk, I was like, we're talking about periods in all caps. Cause it's just like an That's awkward right. word. <laughs> the period period. You can't find it. No, it's not very easy to find. Um, it, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty good Googler. Like I've got some like Google, I've got some Google skills, but mm-hmm. this is uh this is actually quite tough. Um, yep. So no, there we go. If you know listeners, if you're out there in the world of uh, period science uh, or period history, I suppose the history of periods, you might know or language. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the term period, like you know, there's, a, there's lots of definitions for period. A span of time. A span of time. A certain span of time. I'm on the. I'm at that period. That period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we feel like about that. moon cycle? I'm on my moon. Well, I fuck you are on a moon. We're all on a fucking moon cycle. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really like on my moon either. Yeah. I don't, I don't think a lot of people would know what you mean when you say that. There's a very specific group of people that are like, yeah, yeah, I get you. (laughs) It's my moon time. Yeah. So Jess, what was the, uh, like, what was the impetus of this? How did you, how did we connect? Uh, How did you and Bride decide, yeah, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about periods for a bit. Yeah. Um, well, I'm super stoked to be here because I'm a longtime listener. I've been listening to your podcast since almost its evolution. Cool. Um, I'm a fan. And yeah, many, I learned many moon cycles ago. Yeah, yes. Many- <laughs> yes, many periods ago. <laughs> Listen to it on many periods. Um, yeah, I'm a fan and just like listening to the podcast, and I've learned so much over time. And I think. I've always kind of at the back of my mind thought that I would want to go on and talk about some of my experiences around periods, but I never felt like I had that much to say or like that it was that impactful. And yeah, I've kind of had some like more recent updates in my life with respect to my menstrual cycle. And I thought I'd give it a go and come on the podcast and talk about that. Amazing. I love it when worlds collide too, or like crossover. And was, was Jeremy, so we're all... All three of us are Moto yoga teachers, yeah. formerly Moksha yoga teachers. Was Jeremy at your teacher training, uh, Jess? Uh, he showed up. Okay. I think you came for like a couple days. So I think we was may it, have met one time, like really briefly. But was, yeah. it, was, Montreal? was it Montreal or uh, Victoria? No, it was LA 2014. Holy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you came for my 30th birthday. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Surprised you for your 30th birthday. It was awesome. Andy Dick hit on you and I almost punched Andy Dick. Well, that's a story for another time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not talking about dicks today. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, So Jess, so you said you mentioned you've been tracking your cycles, your period cycles for your menstrual cycles, your womanly cycles now i now you can't i don't even know if that's a comfortable no nope. that's not comfortable nope, anymore it isn't <laughs> no it didn't feel comfortable coming out of my mouth yeah. um and why did why what spurred that because it it you know you'd think it would just be something we were taught in school oh the, hell yeah yeah but we weren't so no um so yeah i got my first period when i was i think right before my 12th birthday and I'm 32 right now so that's 20 years um and my periods have always been awful like god awful um and growing up like I have an older sister and my mom also had really bad periods and my sister also had really bad periods like terrible cramps that just take us out for like the first day is the worst like you cannot do anything else because you're so sick and then probably for like a couple days after and before are kind of like half sickness Um, so yeah, so I've had 20 years of that and growing up as a kid, there's, it was like kind of shitty because, you know, like I said, like my mom and my sister had the same thing and it was kind of just like, well, this is like being a part of our family, or this is what it means to be a woman or a person with the uterus. Mm. And that was like pretty unsatisfactory, but as like a 13 year old, 12 year old, 15 year old girl, like there's not 
that many resources out there for you. At least there wasn't at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, like my mom brought me to my doctor to ask if there was anything we could do. And again, this would be like early 2000s. And <clears throat> so I got put on hormonal birth control to help with my period, which I think is pretty common. I don't oh, know if, if Friday, yeah. if you had that. Yeah. I, I didn't go on the pill for period reasons. I, I went on the pill because I wanted to start having sex with my boyfriend. Um, And so I didn't. It's pre-marriage. Uh. <laughs> But there was no one before you, Jeremy. Oh there was my no one before goodness. you. Um, no, but the 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 whole birth control thing is it seems to be the primary response to um that or acne. You have pain yeah. you have painful periods yeah. or acne and or acne, you should go on the birth control pill. And uh it's just like, oh yeah, no big deal. It's like a rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you yeah. Do. Exactly. So your so- periods were bad right from the beginning. Yeah, right oh, from wow. the beginning. It's just like been feeling sick on the period for a long time. And um, yeah, so I went on the birth control pill. So probably got my period first as like a 12-year-old, went on the pill at like 15. So I think my parents were probably like, let's give her a couple of years, see if like it figures itself out now. Um, so went on the pill for that reason, not necessarily for contraceptive. Um, and like, it kind of helped, but I didn't really like it. There's, as you know, from probably your previous podcast or resources, there's a lot of issues with going on hormonal contraceptive, especially if you have period problems, because it doesn't actually fix anything. It just masks them. Um, and also when you're on hormonal birth control pill, and again, like I'm not hating on hormonal birth control pill. It definitely has its place and like it's helped many people. But speaking from my experience, um, it prevents ovulation, which is a really important just part of um, your life. Like, I don't know, a lot of people think of ovulation only in the sense of fertility, but it does so many other things like for your brain and for your body in other ways. Um, And it also, the hormonal birth control can deplete a lot of your nutrients. And I think that's part of what caused my issues as I like continued to get older. Um, so yeah, I went off the pill when I was 20. So I was on it for five years and then had like a lot of ups and downs coming off the pill um, emotionally and mentally, as well as all my period pain symptoms coming back. And then it's just been probably 10-ish years of trying to get help for my um, symptoms. Mm. So basically what my symptoms are is leading up to my period, like can kind of start to feel it coming, like the fatigue sort of feels some cramps coming in the abdomen and low back pain. Like my low back will always have a lot of pain in like the three or four days leading up to it. And then the first day of my period is just like tsunami of <laughs> of like diarrhea and puking yeah. and like complete not able to function. Like no way I can go to work. No way I can go to school. Like I can't even leave the bathroom floor, like that kind Ugh. of thing. That's and that lasts for that. That's day one. That's day one. So that lasts mm. for like maybe four or five hours on day mm. one. And then after that, you basically just have to pass out. Um, I am also allergic to anti-inflammatory drugs. So I cannot take Advil or Midal. You can't take it. Oh, wow. So is there, has any other alternative for pain relief ever been offered to you? No. So that's one thing I wanted to talk about today. I have like so many tips and things that I wanted to bring. Yeah. For anybody who is like, in a similar situation for me, just because I've had a lot of like trial and error with it. But uh, yeah. Before, before we get to those tips, like one thing that I just want to point out, um, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the fact that like you, you, you don't have issues with hormonal birth control and this is your own experience. But, you know, and again, maybe this is coming from my perspective because I'm a dude who uh, has never had to think about uh, hormone, hormonal birth control. Um, uh, but it, it was it. I'm thirty. I'm a thirty-four-year-old man who, you know, I'm not super smart, but I also I'm not I'm not completely daft, and I feel like I've I know a few things. But it was only this year, like 2022, that I learned 
about some of the like serious risks and side effects that can come along with horm- horm- hormonal birth control. Um, you know, things like, and, and of course I, I do know that these things are considered rare. Um, but I, even, even, even then I, it, it did surprise me to hear that, that, you know, some people on hormonal birth control can experience things like blood clots or, you know, hypertension or, um, and, and, you know, that's, that's like on the riskier side of things. But even then, like, even before that, you know, spotting or bleeding in between periods or like, you know, the, I think the only thing I really knew about was like the, the, the sort of mood swings and like the mood thing with hormonal birth control. Um, so like it really did kind of surprise me. We, we had a, a woman on the show on, on Sick Boy on my other podcast who um, she basically had a stroke uh, because of her hormonal birth control. And, and she was on birth control for, uh, I think, over 10 years. And she said something, don't quote me on this, but like something to the degree of like afterwards she found out that if you've been on birth control for upwards of 10 years, like you might want to start looking at stopping because you know over a decade on birth control is actually not the best idea that's really long and so like after that after that episode you know my partner uh kira she when we first started dating she was on birth control and she had been on it i think it was you know for her it was like acne she was taking it for acne Mm -hmm. when you know when she was young and i was like (laughs) i was i was in full-on like like catastrophizing mode going babe get off get off it like you're gonna have a stroke you're gonna die get off it and of course she was really afraid to get off it she'd been on it for almost a decade she was afraid to get off it because she was afraid of what might occur well like you know will my periods be totally batshit crazy like what's gonna happen to my body will my acne come back luckily she she did stop and nothing crazy changed she feels great she's super happy that she did um, but the, the, the point of me bringing that up is that maybe, maybe there's somebody out there listening who is taking birth control and doesn't really recognize or, 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 or maybe just kind of like forgot if they were told a decade ago, mm-hmm. like, Hey, don't stay on this for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Maybe just like, just look at your situation and kind of check in. Eh, is it t- like, do I need to be on this? Is there, is there, is there like risk for me to be on this. Um, because again, I think when you, when you, um, when you start to do something for your health or for your body and the longer you go on doing that one thing that just becomes routine, um, I think the easier it is for you to kind of forget that, um, it's not this, it's not a necessity. It's not like brushing your teeth or eating or getting good sleep. It's, it's not, um, you know, you, you might not necessarily need it, to be okay. Um, so, so anyway, I just wanted to like put that out there for anybody listening to this. Who's like, Oh fuck, I've been on birth control for a long ass time. Uh, It's so funny. Just hearing you talk about that. I'm like, we've, we've actually been, those of us who have been on years of birth control have actually tracked our periods like quite, quite like concisely for the most part. Sometimes you're like, oops, that that was four hours too late. But like Mm. the whole thing about not teaching people the, um, uh, fertility awareness method is like they can't be trusted to, to be as like specific about this to use it as a, a valid form yeah. of birth control but it's like wait a second we we did train like you do it a, a lot of people to just take a pill it's at inherently the same a part time of taking the pill day. yeah, yeah exactly. totally if you can do that you can you, you can, can track your period yeah. yeah absolutely and yeah jeremy like thanks for bringing that up because i do want to say when I went on the pill, there was no disclosure mm. yeah. of those risks. Like, right. yes, it's in the package, but like literally, I don't know if you've seen on social media, people opening it up and it's like 10 to 20 pages of all the different side effects. Yeah. Um, so as like a 15, 16, 20 year old woman like you're not gonna read that yeah. i didn't no um but yeah and of, cor- like, and of course your physician like you know yeah. not no no knock on on doctors family doctors whoever you know whoever the people that they're describing prescribing that stuff but mm-hmm. to them it's like every day every day they're they, you know some teen is coming in they're going oh yeah here just like do this thing that is 
that yeah. is inherently Wildly part of our accepted. society. And this oh. is like, yeah, we and just, your mom it's and just your crazy. Yeah. And like, not only should they be, and again, like you said, no knock on uh, family doctors, but they should be disclosing those risks yeah. so people can make informed choices. And there should be alternatives presented, yeah. such as the fertility awareness method and like some of the things I'm talking about today, which is through like diet and exercise and other ways that you can quote unquote fix your periods. The the other thing that I want to just kind of uh, touch on is I know so Jess I know that like you're you're uh, highlighting um, period struggles like period problems um, uh, and again as as the guy here who doesn't uh, take the pill and hasn't ever experienced a period whenever I hear about like oh I have really bad periods the mm-hmm. first thought that I go to is oh maybe it's endo <laughs> like that's my like bad um, uneducated doctor coming out uh, just because I've had a health podcast for seven years. So I'm like, I know, I know something. Um, so we're not talking about endo, right? Like, like endometriosis is not something that you experience or runs through your family or am I wrong? In that? Well, TBD. Um, but no, we're not talking about that really today because I actually got diagnosed with PMDD, which is um, on the more like mental, emotional side of things. Uh, but I've never phys- heard of this. PMDD. Yeah, yeah, and I'll I'll tell you about it. But the physical symptoms that I have are still ongoing, um, and I'm still like <laughs> searching for what's happening for endo. And I mean, Jeremy, like, feel free to jump in because I'm still trying to learn about this. But um, it's kind of hard to diagnose. Yeah it's pretty invasive. So you have to like take a full biopsy to diagnose um, the tissue on your outside of your uterus. And my doctor has not been like really willing to go down that path with me um, because one of the treatments for endo is going on hormonal birth control, which is not something that I'm interested (laughs) in doing. (laughs) So we're in this like cycle. Um, so yeah, I may have it. I don't know. Um, because it's just tricky to diagnose and treat the treatment is like, there is no treatment basically for it. Yeah. 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 We have, we have a long way to go with, uh, with endo for sure. Um, so what is PMDD? Yeah. PMDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Um, yeah. So it's basically an extreme form of PMS. So PMS may affect like up to 90% of women or people with periods throughout their life. And uh, PMDD affects, I think, maybe like five to 10% of people. And basically what it is, is like, I, I like comparing it to PMS in some ways, but it's also different. But in the ways that it's similar is for people with PMS, it's like the two or one week leading up to your period, you can have like a lot of irritability and anger and fatigue. Um, and this is like a real thing. Like, I don't know about you too, but growing up, <clears throat> if you're ever teased being like, oh, she, it's that time of the month, like, oh, they're PMSing, mm-hmm. um, like kind of getting teased for that. But that's like, this is a real thing that people experience. And I don't know, like, I just, I'm hoping for more like empathy as people learn more about this. But, uh, but yeah. And so for me, I think my, my, PMDD, like I've probably been undiagnosed with PMDD, not for that long, but maybe for like three or four years. Mm. Um, and it's, it got really bad. I think probably was like the summer of the pandemic. And basically what it was for me was the two weeks leading up to my cycle of really, really severe anxiety mm. and depression and fatigue where I like could not function. And like, I was just like laying in bed and like, couldn't really get up. Um, and do things. And and when you think of two weeks before your period, like that's half of the month or half of your life. So it got really, really hard to do like anything outside of the basics that you need to do, like school, work, um, whatever. Like I had no like extracurriculars that I could like feel that I had the energy to attend during mm. those two weeks and those things. Mm. Yeah. The part, the part of this that like, and uh, you know, we've, we've spoken to this at length on sick boy, um, is like the, the thing that Brian Taylor and myself just like, don't quite understand is how, like if, if, if once a month men experienced two or three days of the month where they were just sick, it was like, we get the, we get the, 
we get the monthly sickness. Like the full moon comes and we get sick. New moon. The new when, moon. Like, yeah, are you talking yeah. physical, <laughs> yeah, physically well, sick well, or phys- mentally sick I mean, right now? It, it doesn't matter. Either or. Physically okay. sick, mentally sick, both, like any, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I guarantee you from a professional <laughs> standpoint, like for men or, or you know, I, I mean, I'll even say people with penises. Uh, if that was the case every year yeah. or every month, men would have no problem getting time off work, mm-hmm. getting time off doing like it's like oh you got oh you're sick yeah yeah just uh don't don't worry about it. But women, it's you you have your period. It's not like you it's not like you can call into work and be like my I'm I'm having menstrual um like issues and they're like okay they're but like suck, this again fucking suck it up like everybody does you, you were know? just out for that last month it, it just it does it's it really is beyond me it's like it's it's um i yeah my response to that is i think all of society could you you said something like it would be we could empathize with people but i just also think that if we could just accept that so many of us are moving with this inherent innate rhythm then we would organize all of our things differently. We would organize ebb and flow of business differently. I mean, we would just, it would be more than empathy. It would just be built into our culture that this particular time of the month for individuals is going to be, their strengths are going to be in laying low and maybe look, you know, reflecting, you know, just like different ways to contribute to all of this, just like make it an asset as opposed to something that incapacitates you Mm -hmm. for half of your life. Absolutely. Righty. And I just Googled it because I wanted to see which countries, but menstrual leave is apparently a thing in Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, Indonesia, and Zambia. Japan, man, Japan's got it down. <laughs> Japan has it figured out. Yeah. And they, I would love if we had that here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I agree with you, Jeremy. If it, if it was a man or whatever, like, there would be a system in place where you would have, like, two or three uh, yeah. days off. Like, no a, question. A very different story. It's yeah, like 75 sure. days out of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, yeah. It's no, uh, it's, it's like, it's no joke. Yeah. If you, t- I mean, three, three days of every cycle, if you were like, okay, these are the days that I don't, I'm definitely not yeah. going to the office. So, so PMDD, um, mm. you, you get diagnosed with this and yeah, I just got diagnosed in March. Oh, okay. Recently. Pretty so, new. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. So when you get that diagnosis, when you find out about PMDD, what is the discussion with your healthcare providers? Like, are, are they, do they basically come back to you and go, okay, you've got PMDD. It's, it's a way more severe, like version of PMS. And here are some of the things that we know you can do to like alleviate the symptoms or, or is it, you know, is it like a lot of issues that surround like health, uh, that, that, that have anything to do with people with uteruses that it's like, Hey, you got this thing. Fucking good luck, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And absolutely. And that's what it's been like for me, but like, I guess it's kind of, no, like it's a, sorry. It's um, that's what I want. The point that I wanted to make that you just went ahead and said it is actually with PMDD, I've been able to get help, which Um, is amazing. Okay. But I think it's also interesting because usually there's a mental health stigma where mental health does not get the recognition that it deserves or the resources that it deserves compared to physical health. Um, But in this case, it's been flipped for me. So I just find that very interesting that as a woman or like for women's health, period care, like for physical symptoms is so archaic (laughs) that you have to get diagnosed with a mood disorder in order to get the help that you need. Right. What does that help look like? Like what are the... What, you know, when you got the diagnosis, like what were the things that they were like, okay, here's the, here's the course of action uh, going forward. Yeah. Hell yeah. So if anyone's out there that struggles with their periods mentally and physically, there are things that you can do. Um, so some of the treatments that were suggested to me, I mean, obviously hormonal contraceptives was one that they tossed up, which I didn't choose that route. Um, but there's supplements that you can try. So calcium, magnesium, B6, and chastberry are some supplements. Um, and I tried that and it did help. Like it got me, I would say like 50% better. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then there's diet. 
So the whole thing with like the period diet is you're just trying to reduce inflammation in your diet. So it's like reduced alcohol, dairy, alcohol, oh, I just said alcohol twice, reduced <laughs> alcohol, dairy, and uh, caffeine mm. and increasing like lots of fruits and veggies and protein. Like it's really not rocket science, but it's just mm. kind of like getting your diet in order um, and exercise in order. So I did like a lot of work over the last few years on trying to get that stuff up to speed. And I was like really busting ass trying to take care of that stuff. Um, and like I said, it did improve, but yeah, I got, uh, through the help of this like specialty clinic that I was going to for my PMDD, I was kind of like, yeah, like I did all these things and the supplements, like it did help. And so the other treatment course is antidepressants, right? which I'm on now, which has gotten me like right up to a way better state. So it's, and it's really helped. And it's interesting because it's indirectly helped all of my other symptoms that are like my physical symptoms just mm. from being mm. on antidepressants. Now the antidepressant part, is that something that you do? Um, like, is that like a sort of a chronically thing or is it like only when you're coming up to like the PMDD time, like the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the only when you're on your moon, <laughs> do you take the, the, the yeah. So they gave me that option and I first started off taking it only on the latter two uh, weeks of my cycle just to try that. And then I ended up, I just take it every day because to be honest, it was kind of hard to keep track of everything. Um, and like in terms of getting refills, I don't know what, what's up with this. Like I take this every day. I don't know why they can't just give me like six months worth when I go to the pharmacy, but since it's a controlled substance, they give me like 30 at a time. Um, so it was just like a lot of arranging that I wasn't really willing to do. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. Do you guys want to hear something really interesting about Chastberry? Yes. Um, so uh, Chastberry, for people who don't know, which I didn't, is a plant uh, also called Chast Tree. It's native to the uh, Mediterranean region in Asia. But the name Chastberry, what do you think the name Chastberry comes from? What's the, what's the etymology there? Well, it's got something to do with sex. Yes, it does. Chastity, chast. Chastness. Yeah. The name Chastberry may reflect the traditional belief that the plant promoted chastity. Mm. Uh, monks in the Middle Ages reportedly used it to decrease sexual desire. In the past, Chastberry extracts were used to treat a variety of gynecological disorders and skin conditions. Mm. I've, I've been treated with Chastberry before. Cool. Yeah, when I had my mm. eczema. Oh, yeah, mm. cool, sweet. Um, yeah, probably before the monks, it was originally used to treat pelvic yeah. and psychological symptoms of yeah. a, a person's cycle. Yeah, and if, if only the those monks mon- were like, mm, yeah, it, how it, can we co-opt if this? If only those monks knew that all they needed was a bowl of, uh, of, of um, uh, cornflakes, then uh, they'd, be, they'd be much better. I don't understand. You don't that. get that? No. I don't you get me- it either. You remember John, John <laughs> Kellogg, the guy who made oh, Kellogg's? Oh, yes. John Kellogg, who made, who made Kellogg's cereal, made, Kel- made Kellogg's cereal As to, a- uh, to like... Prevent boys from masturbating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a long and complicated Bland cereal history. cereal will keep you less horny. We, <laughs> he also had a, Kellogg also had a quite a effect on, impact on our use of hydrotherapy. We studied him in massage school. Very, uh, very interesting human him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, some, some <laughs> personality. Yeah. Human flaws. Um, so when like the dietary thing, uh, anti-inflammatory type diet. So we're talking like, uh, what are we talking about? Keto. There? Like, I mean, <laughs> are you keto now? <laughs> no. Um, if you read the fifth vital sign, or maybe it's somewhere else that I got that. Actually, apparently carbs are really important for people who menstruate. I don't really know why, though. So apparently keto is not ideal. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it can be. Uh, yeah. I mean, no blanket diet is good mm-hmm. for yeah. all people. No. Yeah. 
Um, diet was something that I was really leaning heavily on, but it's been really nice now that I'm on antidepressants that I'm not as reliant on mm. it. If you know what I mean? Like it was really strict and that was not very fun. Yeah. It's stressful. Yeah. It's stressful. Like going away or like eating somewhere else. And then yeah. it was just like, yeah, yeah. you don't, you not- don't go out to eat. You don't eat at people's houses. Yeah, it's like a weird restrictive thing then you're applying to yourself, but I like felt that I had to because it was actually working and preventing yeah. me from being so sick during my period. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be a better way. I mean, again, if things were introduced to us earlier in our <laughs> lifetime, uh, you know, this is how we eat at this time of month. There's got to be a better way. I, I, I only hear David Cross I can't when hear I say that. Say that without hearing that. <laughs> Do you know that? Do you know that bitch? There's got to be a better way. He's talking I love about. It though. He's talking about um, comedian Dave Cross. David Cross. He's talking about uh, cutting things out of the newspaper with electric scissors. No, <laughs> with regular scissors. He can't go to a concert because he's got to cut something yeah. out of the newspaper. There's got so, to be a better way. So dumb. No, it's great. Yeah. And the better way is we just need to keep talking about it. And the medical community and family doctors, I think, could do a better job of helping out with that stuff, too. But there's so many resources now. Like, Mm. there was not this when I was a wee thing struggling with this stuff and feeling like you only had your family doctor to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's so many resources and podcasts and like yeah. you can follow the period hashtag on Instagram. And like, that's how I've learned through so much of this stuff. That's just like been self-directed because there's no real help in the medical community right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we do live in, in like a digital age where a lot of that stuff is, uh, you know, if you, if you're, if you're mindful about the way that you utilize the internet, when you're looking for information to like take care of yourself, um, it's pretty, it's pretty astoundingly amazing compared to, you know, when I was like 15, I guess like all I fucking had was like the collection of encyclopedias that my parents had that was like from 19 fucking, you know, 73 yeah. mm-hmm. and, uh, the text was just far too small and there was no fucking I thought point. you were going to say like the porn shop that you worked at <laughs> like, when yeah. I was 15. I only had porn <laughs> the video yeah. store. Yeah. That's how I learned about periods. That's how I, yeah, and many other things as well. Uh, <laughs> what, what, okay. So these, these changes are, you say the antidepressants have caused the, the probably the biggest impact in changing the course of things. Where are you at with, with that now? Like, are you sort of like looking ahead and being like, is this my long-term management thing? Or are you using this time to like fortify? I don't know to like, are you still practicing some of those restrictive eating habits and Mm -hmm. stuff like that? Like, is it all included as a part of your regimen? Yes, it is. So now I'm just grown up to be an adult and like an adult woman and just trying to take care of myself the best way I can. Um, so I do all of the things, but it's been nice to have antidepressants and be less like emphasis on one thing. Um, but yeah, I see it as part of my long-term treatment plan going Mm. forward. Um, I do like continue with my diet, but I'm not as strict. I'm just starting to exercise more. Um, I had an injury for the last few years that was preventing me from exercising as much as I wanted to. And the antidepressants has helped my injury heal and the supplements has helped my injury heal. Um, so I can do more exercise. Um, what was the injury? Yeah. Um, I was in a car accident Ooh. in 2016. So I had like a whiplash injury in my neck, which is yeah. um, part of the reason why I stopped teaching yoga. I haven't taught yoga in a few years. When I, you with like, what's the, for someone who, um, you know, I find this really interesting that that you 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 don't you don't necessarily have depression, um, but you do have this like sort of like like flash depression where it's just like okay <laughs> we're gonna like be depressed for a couple of days and then and then it goes away. Um, like, wh- do you notice when you take antidepressants like on the off days of your cycle? Um, you know, for those like two weeks or three weeks in between, like, do you? what do you notice anything in your day-to-day are you like are you do you feel you know maybe a little bit more um like dull or like or the opposite of that a little more energized or like what's the what does that feel like 
So I might just back up and answer your question kind of like a backwards way um, and explain more about what PMDD, what they think it is. So during the menstrual cycle, obviously your hormones are like going up and down and doing lots of different things. Um, but around that midpoint of your cycle between ovulation and your period is when progesterone starts to rise. And for some people that has a calming effect on their body, but for other people it can cause anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it really depends on the person. And like, if you have some anxiety from that upswing of progesterone, like I think that's pretty common and that's what causes PMS. Um, but what they think, there's kind of two things with PMDD is that your brain is having trouble adapting to all of these like ups and downs that happen in your brain from these hormones. So they also think that people with PMDD have like, if you have other things in your life that have caused you like say trauma or other issues, um, you'll be like more sensitive to that. And your brain just kind of can't keep up with all those changes during the cycle. So it can have like a much greater effect on you when your hormones are fluctuating. Um, so I think that's probably what's happened to me, or there's kind of a different way of looking at it, which is you may just be kind of more prone to anxiety and depression, just like in your life. And then like, I've never been diagnosed with anxiety or depression before, but I like, I don't really have depression, but like anxiety is something that I do like sort of struggle with. So let's say I'm like kind of on the verge of someone who has an anxiety disorder during then those two weeks leading up to your period, it just emphasizes that it makes it a lot worse. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So I do take the antidepressants every day now, but at that time when I was doing it only for part of the month, um, I did notice a difference. Like it's kind of tough to say because like those symptoms, my symptoms get a lot worse at the end of the month, which is when I always have been taking it now ever since getting prescribed that. Um, so for the first two weeks, like you are feeling better anyway, so you don't need it as much, but, uh, I do like taking it every day because like, it just makes me feel better and happier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the dysphoria word is interesting to me in that act, in that, in that um, term, because my understanding of dysphoria, the only time I've really ever heard it used before was this. It, that's the word people say, Oh no. What's with body dysphoria? There's so there's a difference. Mm. So you, I think I think you're you're conflating two Gender words. Gender so dysphoria. There's dysphoria, dysphoria and there's dysmorphia. Two different. Oh, they're very they're yeah, very yeah, different. Yeah. So dysphoria is a word that describes the the definition of dysphoria is like um is like a feeling of unease or dissatisfaction. Okay. Um. So like gender dysphoria, I am uneaseful or I'm dissatisfied with my gender my, assignment. my gender assignment. Mm -hmm. Um. Dysmorphia is a very similar word, but very different. Dysmorphia is uh, the definition of dysmorphia. I could be wrong about this, but like the definition of dysmorphia is something to the degree of like, um, like a, a, a sort of a mental inability to recognize what's the, like what the shared reality is. So like, you mm. know, I, like I see myself in the mirror and I see a bunch of hair all over my face there is no hair on your mm -hmm. face, but so you like, you're not seeing the world clearly. Okay. I, I could be wrong. No, I could I be wrong with dysmorphia, but well, dysphoria for sure is like unease, dissatisfaction, discomfort. Okay. Yeah. Dysmorphic. Just, it, I looked up dysmor dysmorphia and it only seems to be related to body dysmorphic yeah. disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. And then it is about uh, preoccupation with, um, image like, uh, yeah, with, like, flaws in your appearance, yeah, yeah, which are often unnoticeable to others, yes, yeah, right. And yeah. well, yeah, morph being like more of, of the body, or yeah, physical. yeah, yeah, dysphoria yeah. is uh, is unsatisfactory. Okay, that yeah. makes a lot yeah. more yeah. sense, mm -hmm. unease, yeah. Because I think about that, like, I think about how you know, right now I'm I'm moving towards ovulation in my cycle, so like every day even if shit's like not really going well, yeah. like every day is getting a little bit better. Yeah. And, you know, my body is like, I'm good. I'm ready to mate, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then in a week from now, old <laughs> me would be like, why can't, why can't I show up the same way I showed up last yeah. week? Mm -hmm. Like, exactly. I just feel like nervous. I'm like, my partner's annoyed because I'm just worrying about stupid shit all the time. Or like, maybe we fight more or whatever. And it's just like, 
it's 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 really crazy making when you have an expectation that you're going to be able to show up the same way every day, which is how what capitalism expects of yes. us. And then and then nobody teaches you about the natural nat- natural fluctuations that are occurring in your own body. Exactly. And then you're you're just like holding yourself to these standards. Is it like but the thing that's so wild to me is that this is a constant like this is a constant. This is once a month, every month. Mm-hmm. Um 12 months of the year. Every year. Why can't 30, you shut up about it already? Years. Like, <laughs> d- like, you know, is there, does there come a point where, I mean, I'm sure for some people there is this point, but, it, but I'm sure for a lot of people, you don't really ever reach this point where you just remember where you just go, Oh yeah. Yep. Like this is, uh, <laughs> this is, this totally is normal. totally normal. This is, and not just like you, like for Todd, right? It's like yeah. every month Todd should be like, Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. This is happening. Yeah. Uh, and this happens every month. And like. He's starting to get there because I've started keeping track. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. But and if so- we always knew from the get go, like yeah. I think everybody would be more educated and understand easier, yeah. but we're all getting there. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. And yeah, people yeah. Were, who are socialized as boys were like also tuned in to like not just make fun of it because the kids are always going to make fun of each yeah. other for everything, but to, to be like. Oh yeah, well, this is just a normal. Because like, yeah. I find that like sometimes I'll catch myself going, like with you know with like Why Kira, is it with my girlfriend like, showing yeah, up the same yeah, way like with she Kira, did I'll last be like, week. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then like you know, and then and then like the next month, I'm like, what the fuck is going? Oh, oh, actually, I think I, I think I might know. You know, like it's like yeah. it's it's not it's not constant. It's not constant in me catching it. It's like every once in a while I'll go, oh right, right. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I love the image of the world where it's just totally, it would have to, it would look completely different. That's the thing. How no can we get everyone to, to get like cycle up on the same, what's that called? When you, when single psyching, you, cycle sinking. Yeah. How yeah. can we get everyone <laughs> single to s- single psych? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to. I feel like sometimes I manifest my own symptoms because now that I know it's coming, I'm like, well, here we go. This is here comes the downfall, uh, the downward slide. Um, So I don't know whether it's like hindered me in that way, but I, I, you know, how can I don't know if we want everyone to to sync up. Right. That might be chaos, like World War Three. Yeah. Or just like really like a giant sort of human form tropical storm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. totally. Um, One thing that I would love to kind of throw to both you here. Uh, just for our listeners who maybe are like newer or or haven't been, you know, listening as uh, as intently as Jess has since the beginning of the podcast, um, <laughs> the fifth vital sign uh, period tracking. Um, what uh, can you guys like? You know, I know we don't have um, uh, Lisa uh, Henderson Jack, the author of the book here, uh, but we did do a podcast with her uh, um, about a year ago, maybe. And uh, fascinating episode, like totally mind blowing. I fucking loved every second of it. Um, but for folks who didn't hear that or, or aren't familiar with this like notion of period tracking outside of like, you know, the, like my flow app or whatever, whatever that fucking app's called. Um, what is the fifth vital sign? Like what is period tracking, um, from that kind of perspective or that practice? Yes, I can go first. I think kind of two different things. So the fifth vital sign is about how your menstrual cycle is an indicator of your overall health. And if you have issues with your menstrual cycle, then there's usually an underlying issue that needs to be uh, like investigated Um, and using it like kind of like you have your heart rate and your breathing rate and whatever, like the menstrual cycle is a perfect um, add into that. And then tracking. So I, I use the MyFlow app. I do like it. Um, It gives you like some good tips on the different phases of your cycle. And it also gives you dietary tips. So I like that. Um, and then you can also track like just charting and doing it in a non-digital way, which I also like to do. And it just, it's so, I mean, Bridie, like feel free to jump in because I know you do it too, but gives you such a stronger intimate relationship with your cycle and you can find out when you're ovulating and you know, when your period is coming. And I think all of those things can help you sort of adapt your life. If that's something that you're interested in or able to do, like, I'm really lucky that like I have a supportive partner and my workplace is supportive. Um, and you can kind of like adapt your, how you want to live your life based mm. on where you're at in your cycle. 
Yeah, in the fifth vital sign, um, I do the bare minimum. I just want to know, like, when should I expect to have, like, my period? Like, mm. when should I expect to be bleeding? Um, I did for a time do... So the the standards of sort of measurement that are generally accepted to be the ones you want to keep track of if you want to use this method as... For fertility reasons, like if you're yeah. trying to get pregnant or if you're trying to not get pregnant, yeah. um, you want to be um, tr- tracking your cycle. So like w- the day that you start bleeding is day one of your cycle. No, like no matter when it comes, that's day one. And then you start to see like anywhere, you know, we're told it's 28 days. Birth control is like it's 28 days. But um, you'll see that anywhere, I think between, I think it's like 25 and 35 days is mm. pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And even if it fluctuates within that 10 days, like mm. that's all good. But like when my skin got really bad, um, last year and my period didn't come for two weeks, I don't know if I would have recognized, I would, I wouldn't have noticed that necessarily if I hadn't mm. been tracking because, you know, I'd go into the family doctor and she'd say, when's your last cycle? And I'd be like, I have no idea. Like I might have to vaguely connect it through events that I was doing at the time. Like, was I camping? Was I traveling? You know, whatever. And, and pinpoint the day that way. But now like I wanted to go in and get some blood work done. And, and my doctor was like, you should get that done done on day five of your cycle. So specific, right. Mm. For certain things that she was testing me for. And oh, okay. yeah. And so it's, it's just like good to know that the other thing you want to do, um, to, if you're going to do the, the full method is take your temperature, um, upon waking every day at the same time. So that's a really hard thing for people yeah. to wrap their heads around. I think it's like, it's before you stand up. So, you know, your alarm goes off at whatever time, you know, you're going to be in bed at waking up at around the same time every day. <laughs> And you put that thermometer in your mouth and you take your temperature because you don't um, put it in your hoo-ha. No, no. You take your just you can do you probably could. Right. You probably could. But you just your oral temperature. Is I fine. thought it was vaginal temperature. It I don't know why I thought that. No, okay. No, okay. No, no. Uh, because um, the rise in temperature that happens after you ovulate is proof in quotation marks that you've ovulated. OK. So, mm-hmm. you know, because you could, you know, like when you take the pill, you are not ovulating so you're still mm-hmm. bleeding it still looks like you're having a period but but to be able to measure and see your temperature and the other thing that you're measuring um is cervical mucus because there's different times of the month where that's thicker yeah. or when it's absent and the thickness and the viscosity can tell you where you are at and you're like if you're doing really if you're really fertile or or not um on that specific day and then the position of your cervix, which requires like reaching in there and feeling around for it. And it's mm. probably developing some palpation skills, to be honest with you. I've never, I've done, I've like tried it a few times and I've never been like, I'm going to do this every day. So I haven't used that one. Now when you take your temperature yeah, and you say that there's a rise. It's by like half a degree. Oh, wow. Okay. That's not much. No. God, is it like, is your temperature that bang on every day? Like. I feel like it might, I'm, I don't know. I feel like my temperature like would be like 0.2 degrees. Oh yeah? yeah. Okay. It's not like your weight where like one day you're like no. 90, I don't know, 93, five and then 90. Actually, no. that'd be kind of cold. Yeah. <laughs> you go from like 36 degrees to like 36.5 degrees after you ovulate. I don't know, know? that Celsius shit when it oh, comes yeah, to my sorry. temperature. It's sorry. all, uh, it's all Fahrenheit over here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the thing that I thought was so interesting about that conversation with the fertility method was that you know, not only is it this way to track your health and like to address maybe certain health issues, um, but also that it it's it, when done correctly, it is a it, it's an extremely valuable and like valid wow. form of contraception. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's one thing that like. Again, I think for me, when I heard that, I went, whoa, crazy. That's that seems so outside of the norm to me because I've always thought that like, you know, uh, the only good ways of contraception are like things that literally, uh, provide a barrier. Yeah. Like a, like a condom or an IUD or some sort of pill. Um, and so to hear that, like, no, like you, if you do this right, that you don't have any, there's, you know, you shouldn't be worried about any risks of, you know, yeah. pregnancy because you're you actually know the day, the fucking hour that like 
it's safe and not safe to, you know. That was mind blowing for me as well. I didn't know that either until the book and your podcast on the book came out. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? I can't get pregnant on every day. Like we know that, but we still give ourselves like a wide berth, even though it's probably like your windows, like three, four days. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Very cool. So for folks that, uh, that are kind of hear that and, and again, haven't listened to it. I, I highly suggest you go listen to our episode mm-hmm. called the fifth vital sign. Um, but, uh, the fifth vital sign is the book, uh, Lisa Hendrickson, Jack was the writer of that book. Um, and I haven't read it, but Brad, you said it's fantastic. And it, Jess, you also said that you liked it as well. So that's uh, two out of three of us that, uh, are giving a raving review. Um, in terms of other resources, uh, I know that you have a couple that you sort of sent our way and, uh, they're, they're new to me, but, uh, Maybe you can um, let us know. There's a couple of podcasts that you listen to that uh, yeah. that you think are very valuable. The podcast series 28-ish Days Later, it's a BBC podcast by India Raxon, is so good. Has nothing to do with zombies that run really quick? <laughs> Has everything to do with zombies. <laughs> um, I don't know. Have either of you heard of it before? No, I haven't. I've listened you to have? a couple of the oh. episodes. I started it, but uh, I, ha- I, did, I haven't finished it yet. Okay. Yeah, it's so good. It goes through, um, each episode is pretty short, like around 15 minutes. And there's an episode for each day of the cycle. And the author investigates kind of like a different thing that's going on during the cycle at that time. Or they'll investigate kind of like stigmas around periods and like the history of how this stigma started way back when and so on um so that one's really good definitely check that one out and it's a it's a mini series like it's a it's like a 28 ish episode series kind of thing oh cool that's neat i love that that's great yeah Yeah, it's awesome and then there's the um the podcast episode dolorology which is the study of pain podcast which is on the ologies podcast series with ali ward okay is it specific about uh, period pain or is it just pain? Like It's the study of pain. So it talks about how pain is actually biological, psychological, and sociological. All of those three things all at the same time. Mm. So our like... Uh, when we experience pain, you could experience the same, like they use the example in the podcast, if you stub your toe, say you stub your toe when you're already having a bad day or you're by yourself at home versus if you're like out drinking with your friends and you fall off your bike and you stub your toe, you're like, ah, whatever. Um, or I mean, maybe the alcohol has something to do with that, but <laughs> you're, the way that you process pain depends on like the context that you're in. So I listened to this podcast and I recommend it for everybody just even outside of the menstrual pain, like it changed my life, how I think about pain. It's so cool. But um, for period pain specifically, it's been really neat to see how it makes sense that if you're on antidepressants and you're feeling better throughout your month and your life is just like improving your quality of life that the, all the other symptoms that I have are starting to like get a lot less. Wow. Love that. Yeah. This all this uh, ologies podcast looks sick. I'm I'm really uh, I can't wait to dive into this. this yeah, looks really cool. Allie Ward. Uh, Allie Ward is that her name? Allie Ward. Yeah. Cool. And uh, oh, I was gonna say one other thing about the pain thing, but yeah, like I get like I said at the beginning of the podcast, my symptoms, my physical symptoms with my period are quite severe, and I started just on the antidepressants in the summer, like in June. And they've gotten a lot better. Like it's still early days, so I'm not like fully announcing that they're gone, but they're mm-hmm. like so much better. I'm not, I haven't puked in a while. Like I don't even get the like period poops or diarrhea anymore. It's been like, I still take the day off because I still feel like kind of fucked, yeah. but uh, it's getting so much better. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that because it's so much of your life. Yeah. Like people don't, <clears throat> don't I don't who don't have them don't really think about that but um yeah thanks for chatting with us about about this topic I just like I can never get enough of it yeah yeah no it's uh I mean I love I love talking about this stuff it's so fascinating well too like when it's hard enough to find just like clear concise information it's like well then what we have to do is just talk about it and get our our compiler like tips and tricks Mm mm-hmm uh, Jess, thank you. This is this has been real a real treat. It was so nice to sit down and, and get to pick your brain uh, about PMDD and 
your period struggles. Uh, we're rooting for you and uh, and keep us posted on on how this journey goes for you. Thanks. It was so good to chat with you too. Too. Thanks for having me on. All right, there you have it, folks. Uh, Hope you enjoyed that. Again, that was a little bonus episode here on the Sick Boy feed of uh, Turn Me On Podcast, which is my other podcast that I host with Bridie McLean. Episodes come out weekly, every Wednesday, and uh, typically we speak to people about relationships and sexuality and gender, um, and we have a really fun time over there. So if you want to support uh, the podcast Feel free to uh, find Turn Me On Podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a subscription, a like, a follow, whatever that button is. And um, in the meantime, uh, if you want to support Sick Boy Podcast, you can do that um, by doing the exact same thing. You know, follow the podcast. Uh, Follow us on Instagram at Sick Boy Podcast. Tell someone you love about Sick Boy Podcast. And uh, of course, you can also come and join the Discord channel. And the link to our Discord is in the show notes of most of our episodes. So we'd love to have you pop on over and say hello. So again, folks, happy holidays and hope you're doing well. Stay safe, stay warm, and uh, give your pets a little snuggle. And we'll see you uh, very, very soon. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.